Hey there, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fuck Yourself Happy. If this is your first episode listening in, welcome. Thank you for being here. And I am your podcast host, Hannah Spanky. We still don't have an intro. I'm cool with it, though, because I'm kind of liking this real raw-dogged version of podcasting right now. (laughs) So we're just going to rock with it. And I'm going to get straight into everything. So I had this idea a couple days ago in the shower. That's how you know it's fucking good. To start recording a series of episodes, it probably won't be fashioned into like a a season or something. Maybe it will. Who knows? But I just want to start sharing um, some specifics of my sexual past. So if you've listened to episode three, which is my tell all, like it's super long, full length, movie length episode (laughs) talking about my whole entire sex work history, I really shared quite a bit, but it also feels like I didn't even get into the half of it because there's just so much to share and so much to talk about. And then me being me in my own nature, I want to universalize everything and turn it into a teaching moment, which is great for the people who get those teaching moments, but it also makes it kind of difficult to tell any one part of my history, story, whatever, in a succinct quick way that really encompasses all of it because there's there's no way to do that I don't think my brain just keeps going and going with the teaching moments so here's the idea I'm going to share podcast episodes frequently maybe multiple in a week maybe multiple even in a day of my sugar daddy slash hookup culture before I got into sex work officially, because that really did change. Once I got into sex work and I was like working as an escort, getting paid to have sex with people, I was no longer having sex with people casually for free. So that was an interesting kind of a shift there. Yeah, that's, I'm going to pin that in my mind because that might be a talking point in a little bit. But before my sex work journey or chapter kind of really started, I was still very promiscuous and I was still having sex with fucking everybody left and right. And so, um, all of those stories, plus all of my stories from, you know, seven plus years in the sex industry, fucking dudes for money and women for money. I have lots and lots and lots of stories that are number one, entertaining as fuck because people aren't telling these kinds of stories. You know, people don't talk about this in this light or in this, what's the word, shameless of a nature, I guess. (laughs) And that feels really unique to me. Not to say that nobody else in the world is talking about their sex life. Of course, plenty of people are. But the compulsion that I have to share in this way where somebody else looks at me and goes, oh shit, that's vulnerable as fuck. And in my personal experience, I'm like, what, me? I'm just talking. Like it feels so natural for me to share in this way. And so that's what I'm gonna do. All right, a couple of minutes of explaining that there. Probably overtalked it. So let's get straight into story number one. <laughs> this story number one is from pre-sex work time in my life. I was in college. I graduated high school early, um, about a month after I turned 16. And then I went full-time in college right away. I had already been in college, but I went full-time at that point. I also 
picked up a shit ton of bad habits, <laughs> including smoking cigarettes. I know it's gross. If you smoke cigarettes, fucking stop. It's disgusting. So I did. I did smoke cigarettes for a long time. And it was usually paired with drinking and partying and, you know, social social smoking and that scene as so many people like to say social smoking oh i don't smoke cigarettes i'm just a social smoker same fucking thing but (laughs) i was a social smoker for the most part until i started at college so i had already been partying for years at this point and so like at 16 i was i felt like i wasn't but i felt like i was really an adult okay so at college in between classes, during break times, whatever, I was driving 45 minutes to the community college that I was going to. And so it wasn't very convenient for me to like leave campus in between classes. And when you're balling on a fucking 16 year old college budget, (laughs) it's also not very convenient to buy food every time you're in a break, right? So the way I compensated for that was by smoking cigarettes a lot more. (laughs) 16 year old logic. I would smoke cigarettes to be social, but not in a party scene at all. I would stand around the weird little hipster fucking corner of smokers at the college campus. And then I would also smoke to like intentionally suppress my appetite when I was trying to not buy food. God, this is depressing as fuck as I say this out loud. Oh my God. (laughs) So anyways, I smoked cigarettes at this little circle It's like a little smoking post, you know, like in the fucking parking lot. There was this guy who I met. He was 32 years old. So me in my own mind, I was feeling like I was like 21. Okay. So my self-assessment of my like 21-year-oldness and his 32-year-oldness was totally fine. Like it was completely fine. I was like, cool. Yeah. I'm going to fuck this guy. Like He's hot. He likes me. I think he's cool. And I'm going to fuck this guy. And I like had that in my mind from the beginning, pretty much. But it also had like a level of innocence to it. Because while I was thinking thoughts like that, I also like there wasn't it was missing like a certain grit, like those thoughts were missing a certain seriousness. I was thinking about him in this way in this kind of fangirly way, but I also wasn't very literal in my thinking of how it was going to play out. Like, I just knew that that was something I'd be into, but like, didn't think about how or why or when or whatever. So we smoked cigarettes at this little spot for months on end, probably a full semester, maybe even into the next semester. And we would talk like literally every single day. So let me tell you about this guy. I think his name was Matt. So we're going to call him Matt. Okay. (laughs) So Matt was 32 years old, attractive dude. He was a pilot. He was going to school to finish up some shit that was like not for a degree, but like something he was just doing on his own. So like, hence the hipsterness. He was going to college intentionally not to complete fucking college. Like how hipster could you be? (laughs) You know, so... He was this fucking hipster dude. He was a pilot. He was hot. He was older than me. He had all kinds of appeal, in my opinion, at that time in my life. 16 years old, going to college full time, balling on a budget, being seen as an adult by these other adults, 
knowing damn well I fucking wasn't, (laughs) right? I was 16 years old and there was always this little like, ha ha ha, I'm getting away with it kind of feeling in my mind, knowing that the people around me didn't fucking know that. So fast forward to Mr. Matt. (laughs) He eventually invited me to do something. He invited me over. He some sort of like, hey, come hang out, whatever, whatever. I don't know how it was pitched, if it was like a study thing or like, oh, you should come see my fucking dog or like something lame, but it turned into an invitation. So I Jesus Christ, this is like something that happened for all of my sexual events at this time in my life. I got ready so fucking hard. (laughs) Like I spent hours, hours getting myself ready, making sure that every single hair was in place, making sure my body was completely shaved, making sure my makeup was perfect so that any fucking blemish or acne or freckle or fucking whatever was completely hidden. Like it makes me a little bit sad right now, honestly, to think back on that chapter of my mindset of like how much effort I felt was necessary for me to put in in order to be desired or in order to be wanted. Okay, so there's the first kind of teaching thought in this whole story here. So I was way overcompensating for some sense of unworthiness slash I don't belong here slash I know I'm definitely not old enough for this to actually be like what he would choose if he knew how old I was. So I felt like I was getting away with murder and I was going to look really fucking good to make sure that I could do that. So I got fully ready, like two plus hours of doing whatever. I can't even imagine what the fuck I was doing when I think back on it now. Like I have straight hair. Like It's not like my hair takes, you know, three hours, like somebody with super curly hair straightening it or something. And other than that, like I didn't do anything fantastic. Like, I don't know what the fuck the time was spent on. But anyways, I drove to his house, which was almost an hour away. So there's the first red flag. Ladies, if you are invited to somebody's like, or if you're invited out, like if you're asked out by a dude and you are like either expected by him and or like automatically putting that expectation on yourself, whether you're conscious of it or not, that you are going to drive to him. And this is is like, this is like a sexist kind of a thing. Like probably people are going to be like, oh, that's fucking 1950s. Like, I don't care. Shut up. This is, this is my truth. If you as a guy are expecting your woman on the first fucking date to drive anything more than maybe 10 or 15 minutes to meet you somewhere, that's a fucking problem. And you need to be doing more like that's, that might seem harsh or whatever, but that's, that's my truth. That's my opinion. If you are wanting a woman to give you herself, to give you her attention, to give you her love, and you're wanting to connect with her on that level, like you need to make that desirable for her to do. You know, and if there's no sense of like give and take, if it's just give, 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 give on one side, it, 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 it's, it's already failing out the gate. Okay. So I drove a fucking hour to get the, to get to this dude's house again, all under the guise that I 
wasn't actually worthy of that invitation because I was 16 and and he didn't know it. So that was a problem. Like I'm talking about a 16 year old child having sex with a fucking grown up. Like obviously I'm talking about something problematic here, but this applies to so many people's sex lives and romantic lives at any level at any age where I see this as a problem, like for people all the time. And I help people with this all the time, especially women, but I see it for men too. I work with men heavily. Like most of my audience is men actually, like it's the majority. And so a lot of my private clients are men and I see this with them as well, but women too. So it's this like dysfunctional behavior of overgiving in whatever way that is, whether that's your time, your effort, like, oh, sure, I'll get it for you, like, jumping up to fucking, you know, how high, how high, (laughs) you know, when they say jump, you jump, fucking how high, that kind of energy, and or um, financial, wherever you're overgiving in the relationship, and by overgiving, I don't mean generous, I mean giving with like sticky fingers, hoping that there's something that you're going to get back for that gift. There's a fucking strings attached vibe to it. It's not cool for one to do that to the other person. But most of the time when we're doing it, we are not even conscious of it. We're thinking that we're just being nice and we're being so great. And of course they're going to love us because I'm doing their fucking laundry at five o'clock in the morning. And of course he's going to want to marry me. Oh, I'm fucking paying for every single meal when we go out. Of course she's going to stay loyal. Like we're doing these things unconsciously to get something in return because on the deepest level, we don't genuinely believe and feel worthy of that thing without our overcompensated effort. Okay. So I was 16 years old and that's why I was like in this space of, well, who's to say that's why that's why I was thinking I was needing to try so hard is because I didn't deserve to be there in my mind at that time, because one, I was lying. And two, if you knew the truth, and he had any fucking, you know, moral compass in him, he probably would have told me to fuck off. And I knew that. And I was being risky. And I was being selfish. And I was being self-serving because I wanted attention. And I wanted affection. And I wanted whatever, whatever. And so it led me to overcompensating in how I behaved so that I could feel like I deserved to be there. Okay, so that's like teaching point number two, where Assess for yourself, like truly ask yourself in your own love life, take a look, where do you do that? Because there's a a real fucking high chance that you do it somewhere. If you don't feel without a fucking doubt that you are 100% innately worthy, like somebody that walks away from you is fucking losing, then you are likely overcompensating somewhere. So assess that, check that out. Is it your sex life? Maybe you're doing everything that needs to be done in the bedroom and taking that all on your own plate because you don't really feel worthy of it. Maybe it's financially. You're paying for everything and then feeling resentful later because you don't really feel worthy of the relationship so you feel like you have to be that provider, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Check out all those areas of your life and see where you might be doing the same thing. Okay, so I drove a fucking hour to this dude's house. We get there. He wants to know if I want to drink. I'm like sure. 
the little devil horns popped out of my head at that point, 16 years old. I was already partying and drinking, so it wasn't like my first fucking beer, but it was still taboo. And it was extra taboo because he didn't know how old I was. Oh my God. Like this is something that I would never in a bajillion years redo. And I would never in a bajillion years recommend somebody to do this. So I hope that that's clear that I'm not like, you know, promoting fucking underage sex or (laughs) minor whatever (laughs) mix ups. So yeah, I hope that's clear. But he offered me a beer, so he handed me a tall can. It was some fucking gross Clamato something. And he had a hot tub. Fun fact about me, hot tubs are like one of my favorite things in the entire world ever. Like I would do the hot tub over like so many other options. <laughs> That's my number one choice always. So I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to get in the hot tub. We get in the hot tub, we're smoking cigarettes, we're drinking these gross beers and it's it's the way it goes when you're having a good drunk time with somebody that you're sexually attracted to you know it's fucking fun or at least it's the illusion of fun because you're both disconnecting from your souls equally <laughs> and having meaningless conversation equally and so it seems fun so i was having a fucking blast he thought I was super cool. I am super cool, but he thought I was super cool. And at the time, I didn't know I was super cool. So I was like, whoa, 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 this is amazing. How could this get any better? So like, he's loving giving me all this attention and I am fucking loving taking it. All right. Like every little drop you got, fucking give me that shit. I was eating it up and it was like, a performance feeling in a sense. It's so weird thinking back on it right now. Like I have just the visual memory of like sitting in the hot tub talking to him. It feels like I'm watching myself from like a higher perspective. And it literally felt like I was entertaining. Different than what I'm doing even right now. Like right now I'm talking and I'm telling a story for the purpose of telling the story. But it's not the same level of entertainment of like faking the performance, you know, like really delivering the punchlines. Like that's how I was having that conversation, or at least in my memory I was. So again, rooted in this overcompensating behavior because I wanted him to like me. And I didn't know and trust with confidence that he would like me. That's the difference. That's the difference between a dysfunctional or a functional start to a relationship, whether it's a casual one, sexual, non-sexual, platonic, fucking marriage, anything. Dysfunctional versus functional is knowing that you deserve the other person's love, not in an entitled sense, but like knowing that you're worth it versus wondering if you're worth it and that you're only feeling worth it if you do X, Y, Z. So we get out of the hot tub eventually. We're pretty drunk at this point. You know how it goes. If you're drinking alcohol in a fucking, you know, crock pot, you get really fucked up. So I got out of the crock pot and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm fucking hammered. So we go inside. We started watching The Wolf of Wall Street. If you've seen The Wolf of Wall Street, there's a decent amount of nudity in the movie. It's just like tits and stuff. But, you know, it shows sex scenes. They're not really sexy. It's fucking, but it shows the sex scenes. So... I just said sexing as a verb. (laughs) 
the fuck? Okay, so I remember sitting on the couch, like trying in my own mind to stop the world from fucking spinning because I was so drunk I needed to puke. And I'm sitting there like trying to hold my shit together while also internally kind of freaking the fuck out at all of these naked girls on the TV screen. Like I could just sense that it felt normal for him to see that and not for me. Like I had not yet been exposed to nudity at that level and at that level of like casual. I was just, I don't even know what the word is. If I felt uncomfortable, it's like picture like a little boy seeing, seeing like a pair of titties, you know, just in this like straight up like shocked awe, like what the fuck? Like are am I allowed to look at those? Like, (laughs) that's the feeling I had. And so again, it was just like this, my, my mind was fixated on the difference between me and him. My mind was fixated on not being like not belonging. And I could feel that even just watching the movie in how uncomfortable it made me and how uncomfortable it did not seem to make him. So there's another kind of teaching point in there on the movie thing, because I was a fucking kid. And so that's why I'm saying it was uncomfortable for me. But there's people in their any age of adulthood, all the way up to being fucking grandparents, who are super uncomfortable seeing something like that on TV. And so for me, it felt like an age thing, but it's not an age thing in general. It's something that is rooted in fucking shame because as a culture, we grow up being taught that our sexuality, which is literally an inevitable part of us that makes us human beings, is bad somehow. We get taught that it's fucking bad, that it's not good, it's not allowed, it's not something that we should share, it's not something we should celebrate. We are celebrated behind closed doors right? Everybody loves the naughty fucking seductress and she's admired and she's, she's sought after, but in public, let's throw stones at her and draw a fucking A on her forehead. Like it's not something that people collectively have permission around. And so if you experience that in your relationship, maybe you're watching a movie and if there's a certain person around, maybe your parents or your partner even, and some sort of scene shows up and then your internal experience changes, that's something to look into. Nothing that you visually see about sex that would be depicted in mainstream movies, at least, should make you feel shame. Unless that shame already lives inside of you. That awkwardness, that uncomfortability, it already lives inside of you. So when that's triggered by sexual imagery, just know that that's what's happening. So that's what was happening for me And I didn't know what the fuck to do. I didn't know how to handle it. So I handled it the way that I typically handled all things I didn't know how to do with at that point in my sex life and relationship life, which was to be the fucking cool girl. So that's what I did. I was like, she's hot. (laughs) And I would make these like steamy comments about these girls in the movie. Again, trying to be likable fucking a oh my god i didn't even know like what i was going to talk about as i set out to share this episode other than like oh yeah that guy that story okay let's start and clicked record 
I didn't even know how fucked up this story was until I'm saying it now. (laughs) So you're on the ride with me. I was so fucking unconsciously unworthy, as so many of us are, that I started over-sexualizing myself and playing the cool girl card and being like, ooh, that girl's hot. Oh, what do you think of her tits? Would you like that one or that one better? And like asking these dumb fucking questions that I wouldn't have asked authentically, but I was participating in something that I thought was what he would have wanted me to do. Again, rooted completely in the delusion of my own mind, not at all based on communication, not at all based on what he actually said or did or told me, not at all based on something I genuinely asked and then found out about. Like it was all wrapped up in my own unworthiness. And so this is something I see with the couples I work with all the fucking time. And it's something that I've dealt with and worked through in my own life, like deeply. And that's why I do this work now with people. And why I can lead it so well is because I can see where those things are showing up. I can see where like all the cracks in the foundation are letting the fucking weeds come through. And all we need to do is tend to those cracks. It's not actually the weeds that are the problem. So I was overdoing it with the sexy comments and blah, blah, blah. And that led into going to bed. And I hate to admit it. But I was so fucked up at this point that I don't really remember. I think we like made out and then just went to sleep. But I don't fully remember how much sexual activity we did that night. I don't, I don't believe we had sex. Like I truly don't believe we had sex. But we did do something. I think we were just making out and stuff. Like rolling around drunkness, sloppiness, can't get your dick hardness. Just like, you know, drunk drunk mess. And then we passed out, wake up in the morning. So waking up in the morning, hungover, immediately insecure as fuck because I didn't have makeup that was like, you know, perfectly done. My shit was fucked up, like rubbing your eyes. I have black shit on my cheeks. Like, you know, it was not a pretty scene as you, as you know, like you can picture the hangover makeup, walk of shame type of girl. Like that's what I looked like waking up you know? So I woke up in a fucking internal panic because (laughs) I didn't look presentable to my standards at that time. And this guy didn't care. He didn't give a fuck. And that was something I could not handle. (laughs) He did not care what I looked like, truly. And I think that that is, is the truth most of the time. Like the people that we're with, the people that we're romantically engaging with, especially the people we're platonically engaging with, but, but romantically too, I truly think that as long as there's like a baseline level of attraction, they don't give a fuck what you look like. Like they don't give a fuck if you're wearing fucking fake eyelashes or not. They don't give a fuck if you, you know, have a tattoo on this spot of your body or not. They don't, they don't give a fuck. And so the stress and the insecurity and the anxiety and all the fucking questioning and self-doubt and all that shit comes from my own giving a fuckness that is, is, it's fake. You know, it's like a false construct. It's not even real. So he didn't give a fuck about my disheveledness that I was like dying over. And I did not know how to handle that. 
So what do I do when I don't know how to handle something? (laughs) At that time in my life, I played the fucking cool girl card yet again. So what that looked like was having sex with him. (laughs) He's like all... So let me, little little extra backstory on this dude, Matt. He was like a major fucking um, hippie guy also. So like he was clean cut because he had the whole pilot thing going for him, but he was also like a fucking mountain man hippie. So like he would go on these like long backpacking trips out in the middle of nowhere with like literally just himself and like some bags on himself and like that's it. Uh, rock climbing, free, free, free climbing fucking mountains um, not wearing deodorant, that type of shit. So he told me in the nighttime, like during the movie, I forgot to, I forgot about this part that like, he was telling me about his ex-girlfriends for whatever reason. Oh, I know for the reason, because I was asking about his (laughs) ex-girlfriends, not because I cared, not because I wanted to know, but because I thought that me showing unjealous interest in his sexual history and giving him this freedom to talk about it was what would make me seem like the coolest girl possible and make him like me more. Wow. The fucking delusion. Oh my God. So, (laughs) so I was asking him about his girlfriends, about his past girlfriends and like what he likes and what he's into and whatever. He disclosed at some point in that answer that he has dated many women with that were like hippie girls that like didn't shave their armpits. So at this point in my life, like right now in my life, fucking cool. If you don't want to shave your armpits, awesome. Sometimes I don't shave my armpits. Fuck it. But (laughs) at that 16 year old time in my life, when I was obsessively concerned with how I looked and how this guy saw me, the idea of having hairy armpits was like the death of me, the fucking death of me. And so him being okay with someone having hairy armpits was really weird for me. Like it was really hard for me to, to like accept that. I told my friend about this after the fact, like after this whole thing was over and she was like, oh my God, that's amazing. That means he doesn't give a fuck about if you shave or not. And like to her, it immediately came off as like a permission slip to be whatever she wanted to be and like didn't have to conform in a certain way. But to me, I was like, like I didn't even, it makes me think of the whole like elephant thing in India where they like, you know, tie them to a something with a chain and then over time they can keep them in place with just a string because the elephant learns the boundary even though like it's not physically restrained anymore like that's how I felt like even though he was like yeah I don't care if you have armpit hair I don't care if you wear makeup I don't care if you fucking smell like bo like even though he was saying all those things I could not hear him I could not believe him Because I was so like imprisoned in my own little invisible cage that I couldn't get out even if he let me, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, that was a little sidetrack, but circling back to the morning after he wanted to fuck, we started kissing. Oh my God, I'm dying of shame as we're kissing because I'm thinking morning breath. Oh fuck. I haven't brushed my teeth. Oh no. He's going to fucking abandon me. (laughs) All of this flash fucking disaster is happening in my mind as he's casually pursuing me for morning sex. So 
we have sex because I am such a cool girl and I'm so abiding and I'm so compliant and I'm so fucking, you know, whimsical and obedient. I'm going to do this because you want to. So I did. We had sex. He went down on me. This was maybe the second time. Maybe the second, maybe the third time that someone had ever gone down on me. And (laughs) my experience of it was kind of the experience of like, if someone just started like, I don't know, trying to make a sandwich like on your leg, like just like complete confusion. (laughs) What the fuck is happening is all I could think. Like, what is he doing? Like, what is this? Why is he doing this? Like, obviously I understood that there's supposed to be pleasure in this. And like, he's doing it because it's the, it's like, I'm going to suck his dick. He's going to eat my pussy. Like, that's why he's doing it. Duh. Porn taught me this. I should know. Like, all of this uninformed, uneducated perspective is where I was coming from. And I had no fucking strong, reliable connection with my own body. And so I didn't know what the fuck to do as I'm receiving this oral sex. So I was just moaning and making all these noises and faces and whatever about, like not about, um, the same way that I had seen done in porn, thinking that that's what he would want me to do. That's what he would want to like, like I'd be giving him like his good boy pat on the back by making these noises. (laughs) And so that's what I did. I was also trying to get the fuck out of there because I was so like mortified inside at just my own existence that him wanting me in any way was like, just killing me. Like I needed to crawl out of my own fucking skin. So we finished the sex. I pretended to come. He fucked me. And then he's like, you can go take a shower or like, I don't know how he said it, but like directed me to the shower. I'm like, cool. So I go take a shower. And it's like, I I remember it's like, ah, this like sweet relief. Like, okay, I can be fucking alone for a minute. And, like, I didn't feel like I needed to look a certain way. I was going to, like, wash my face or I was going to take a shower, like, without washing my face so I could, like, leave this little stitch of makeup on that was still there and dip and, like, fucking get the fuck out of there without being seen. That didn't happen. (laughs) About 60 seconds into my fucking shower, Matt, the rock climbing pilot, comes in and he's like, hey, mind if I join you? as he hops into the shower like a fucking puppy and I'm like oh no so he's in the shower now and like he's like wanting to wash my body and just all of this what I what now I would experience as like awesome healthy attention then it was torture (laughs) because I had no emotional framework for how to deal with what I was experiencing in my own mind And so he, like, it was awkward as fuck for me. He was probably fine. And then I ended up leaving. So I drive home, told my friend about it, whatever, whatever. The way that this transpired going forward is I would get to college. I would get to the college campus every morning. It was a routine that he and I would smoke cigarettes, like, at the same place, at the same times, every fucking day, multiple times a day, five days a week. Like, it was impossible for us to miss each other because we were physically, like, in passing all the damn time. So what I did for the next, fuck, at least the next semester, 
but I'm not sure if he was there the following semester or maybe if I was even there the following semester. I don't know, but at least for the full entire spring semester, I walked like Speedy Gonzalez, speed walking slash running straight past the fucking smoking spot, knowing damn well that he was watching me, like looking at me, slow turn his head as I scrambled across the parking lot with like a fucking binder in front of my face. I literally pretended to hide in plain sight until he disappeared. (laughs) How ridiculous is that? I hid from him in plain sight because I was so devoid of the emotional, mental skills to relate to him in any sort of healthy way that the only thing I had capacity for was to fucking dip, even though I had nowhere else to go. Like, I had to dip in the same room as him, basically. (laughs) And so this brings me to another teaching point, which is avoidance. Avoidant, avoidant, avoidant people. You motherfuckers, I get it. (laughs) So I've really been on like both sides of the spectrum with that. Like I've been very anxious in certain attachments with certain people and also very avoidant in certain attachments with certain people over the years. And so with this encounter, we didn't really have a relationship like, you know, beyond just being buddies and then that one weird night. But I was very anxious, not anxious, avoidantly attached to that person. So what that meant is I'm going to avoid him at all costs (laughs) because that's the only way I know how to handle this connection. So I want to speak to that a little bit for anybody that experiences avoidance in their own relationships. It could be in the relationship with yourself even of just like knowing you need to do something and then avoiding doing it, and then still knowing you need to do it, and then avoiding doing it, distracting yourself, numbing yourself, Netflix, fucking porn, weed, alcohol, whatever it is, food, whatever it is, if you're avoiding yourself in any ways like that, and or if you're avoiding your partners in any ways like that, where maybe you know that they're upset about something, and so it makes you want to like never come home again, or (laughs) you know that they are wanting to talk about a certain thing or wanting to address a certain thing in your guys's life. And you just don't seem to have the capacity for it. So the last thing you want to do is that, and you will avoid it at all costs. Even when you look as stupid as I did walking right past the person you're avoiding as if you're fucking invisible. Okay. So it's like, I get it. I understand it. I empathize with it. And I also know how ineffective it is and how harmful it is to both parties. Because when you're doing the fucking emu in the sand thing, like sticking your head in the sand and pretending like no one can see you in your relationships, what you're doing is you're just prolonging the inevitable for one. And you are preventing yourself from having what you want. We all want connection. However, that looks for everybody can be different, but we all want and need connection. We all want and need intimacy. We all want and need physical touch. We all want and need love. All of those things are universal, but how we go about getting them starts to become unique and also doesn't because so fucking many of us 
are plagued with the same exact problems around not learning how to do this shit. And so when we don't know how to do this shit, the way we improvise is really fucking bad. (laughs) You know, when you don't know how to do something, you're never taught to do that thing, but you you know you're going to do that thing no matter what. Like, good fucking luck. And good fucking luck knowing if you're even doing a good job or not ever. When you don't have a baseline of normalcy or healthiness to compare anything to, it's like you're a fish in water. You can't see the water that you're in. Everything is just that way and you just think that that's what it is. And that is the fucking, like, horrific nature of developmental trauma. Different than an acute trauma where someone comes up and punches you in the face and, like, now that's a trauma you're going to have, like, remember forever. There's a baseline there that, like, you know how you felt before you got punched in the face. And then you know how you feel after you got punched in the face. And you can work your way back down to that first baseline through healing, through whatever you need. Developmental trauma is... Growing up in a household where sex is just hush-hush, not talked about, let's just not discuss it. Never because anyone sits you down and says, hey, little Johnny, you're not allowed to talk about sex. But because you can feel it in the fucking air. You can just sense it on every level. Like a little kid, you're like a fucking super antenna. You can just sense on every level that it's not okay to talk about sex. Then you grow up, you're an adult where now your physical body and your emotional self and all these parts of you want sex, you know you're going to go forward with having sex, but not having the skill set on every level, mental, emotional, physical, to do it in the best possible ways. Like when we're suffering like that, we don't even know it. I hope that's making sense. We don't even know that we're suffering other than like knowing that something doesn't feel good, something doesn't feel right, something doesn't feel easy, we don't usually know why that is or what the fuck is happening because we're the fish in water. Like from day one of our lives, the normal thing that we were taught, the baseline that we were taught is that sex is shameful, in this example at least. If the baseline is dysfunctional, then when you experience other dysfunction in that department of your life, there's no fucking healthy baseline to come back to. So when you have a negative sexual experience or a negative romantic experience and your baseline is already dysfunctional, there is truly no way to figure it out for yourself without seeking out that support, without seeking out learning new things and unlearning things that you are operating on now. So my avoidance at that time in my life at 16 years old was because one, I didn't, well, all the stuff I've already said and really over talked about like feeling unworthy and why that, that compelled all of my weird behaviors and anxious behaviors. The avoidance was because I was just so fucking overwhelmed at the idea that there was confrontation involved in that. Like the idea that communicating with him at all, (laughs) like at all, (laughs) even like I ran through different scenarios in my mind. I could have gone and 
played it off like nothing fucking happened. And he would have thought I was a fucking sociopath or something, but I could have gone and just kept on smoking and been like, hey, hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? And just like literally played stupid and pretended like nothing happened. I almost did that. I'm glad I didn't because that would have been probably the worst move of those two. But um, I thought about it. I could have handled it the way I would handle it now, which it would never have made it to a whole new day and seeing each other in person before a communication had happened. And I'd have a, an adult conversation with him about like, this is what I experienced. This is what I needed. This is what I needed to say and didn't say. And this is what I want. And like, I would have been able to have that conversation. But my avoidance at the time was so like, felt like the only option I could choose because it was the only option I could handle because I was overwhelmed at the amount of uncertainty and my inability to cope with it. Not knowing if he would still like me, even on a friend level, not knowing if he would be expecting me to continue to be romantic with him, not having any sort of fucking skill set around setting boundaries for like, like, isn't this fucking wild? And I see this with so many women, not so much with men, but so many women. We give ourselves up romantically. And then the second the fucking, I mean, I see this with men also, so I don't want to make it one-sided. The second the person we're interested in shows interest back in us, even if we lose interest after that, we fucking stay because it feels like an almost obligation because they want us, (laughs) you know? And so again, it's just that deep, deep, deep seated unworthiness. When you don't know without a fucking doubt that you are worth it, when somebody shows you that, if you don't fully believe it, it can feel like something you like on a survival level don't want to risk losing. So you just hold on and hold on, and hold on, and even when your fingers are fucking breaking, like, you just hold on tighter, even when you don't want to, because it feels like the alternative, the alternative of letting go, and actually maybe feeling that you're not worth it, is so much worse, is so much more scary, when you're functioning from that space, the truth is, that's not the truth, the truth is that that's not the the worst, Feeling unworthy and being correct in yourself is much more valuable of an experience than clinging on to something so that it gives you validation. But until we know that, we don't know that. You know what I mean? Like, we can't get mad at ourselves for not knowing what we didn't know. It just, it doesn't work. So I avoided the shit out of him because the skill sets needed to face it to face him and the situation were just absent. I did not know how to communicate my emotions. I did not know how to name my emotions. I did not know how to take responsibility for my own internal experience without making it his. I did not know how to set a boundary around what I needed and wanted from him that may or may not have been different than what he needed or wanted from me. I didn't know how to ask for what I wanted sexually. I didn't know how to be authentic in that little midnight encounter because I was so focused on being approved of, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on and on for where I was lacking 
that contributed to that experience. So that feels pretty complete for me for that story. And I'm really curious to know what this story brings up for you as the listener in your own life. Like, where do you see these reflections in your own life? Where do you see yourself being avoidant? Where do you see yourself doing shit you don't really want to do because you feel like someone will think you're not good enough if you don't? Ask yourself those questions. They're not fucking easy questions, but they're really fucking valuable. And so ask yourself those questions and reach out somehow personally. You can email me, hannahspanky at gmail.com. You can um, reach out on on DMs, on Instagram, whatever it is that works best for you. Let me know because I'm always available for knowing how these, these stories and these shares of mine relate in your actual life. So yeah, let me know how that is for you. Um, And if you got anything out of this episode, my ask for you today, the cost for you today is that you share it with just one person, even just one person. Tell somebody about it. Share it to your story. Leave me a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're on a platform where you can leave a written review, please do. It really, really, really allows me to, to have a sense of feedback that what I'm saying is really landing with you guys. And that's really important for me to know so that if it's not, I can, you know, continue to adapt and continue to share new things. And, um, if it is, it can continue to be spread and the impact can be made wider and wider, which is always my goal. So with that being said, I love you. I love you, love you, love you. Make sure you check out your own sex life. Look at those skeletons in the closet and let me know how this impacted you in your own life. I'll see you on the next episode. Enjoy your day.